progress. And by in progress, we mean just starting. So don't worry, you didn't miss anything. We know that Jen's ghost stories and Allie's tales from the sex dungeon are the real reason you're here. And now, here are the hosts whose value fluctuates even more than Bitcoin. Allison Goldberg and Jennifer Jamula. Hey guys, I'm Jen. I'm Allie. Welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast, the show where we interview people from the internet. Yeah. I, I mean, just made that tagline up. What do you think no, about it? You say <laughs> it every week. I know. I just think it's funny because like everyone, nobody's from the internet, but everybody's from the internet. We're all from the internet. A little bit about us, guys. So Ooh. we started a show way back in the day called Blogologs, back when blogging was a fucking thing. When it was cool. And we would take Reddit threads, Craigslist posts, blog posts, obviously. We'd perform them word for word and come up with new characters and scenarios and sort of like play with digital identity and catfishing but through comedy anyway uh, and then we decided to make a web series called two girls one show which you can go find on hoohaha.com that's right there's in a two girls com. one show we actually contacted the writers of these crazy internet posts that we found interviewed them and then went on scripted shenanigans then we realized that the interviews were super fascinating and decided let's do two girls one podcast and just do the interview portion so essentially Every week, we share with you something wild, amazing, funny, whatever that we found on the internet. We contact the writer and we interview the person. And today's topic is wild, amazing, and funny. What is it, Jennifer? Ecosexuality. Oh, Eco- yes! Let's put the words together, folks. Ecosexuality. <laughs> Did you ever expect? I remember when I was a kid, I heard about dendrophilia. What Remember that one? Ooh, what is that? When you have sex with trees. Oh. I don't know. We might need to ask our guest about that today. Um, but we're going to be talking to a PhD candidate uh, who is writing about ecosexuality and has a really um, vested interest in this. Um, we're going to find out what it is. But what do you what do you think this is all well, about? Well, all I know so far, because I want to find out with you guys, what I know so far is that it's this idea that we need to love the earth and Mother Earth, and that's great. I can get behind that. So we need to love Mother Earth, but then some people take it really far, and they love the Earth. To the point that some people, not all, but some view ecosexual as their sexual identity, hmm. as opposed to homosexual, heterosexual, bisexual, ecosexual. Okay, guys. Sexual healing. Sexual healing. Sexual. I've read that it's kind of like it's a Kinsey scale. Oh. Yeah, I think you're right. It encompasses people that, who use sustainable sex products. They might like skinny dipping, hiking in the nude, uh-huh. up to people who orgasm in the dirt in potting soil. Oh, <laughs> or ask. people who have sex with trees. Got it. So it's, it's, it's pe- there are people who have sex with with humans. Yes. And then all the way up to... All the way up to having sex with yes. the earth Got in it. some way. Okay. And I also heard that some people, ecosexuality is, even if they're attracted to people, something that they require in their partner. Let's take it back to orgasming in the dirt. Okay. For a dude to orgasm in the dirt, he's just jizzing into the dirt. Yeah. For a girl to orgasm into the dirt feels unsafe. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you could get so many infections. Yeah, uh, like creatures. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. 
also, I have so many questions about how that would happen. I know. Well, I wonder. Like, are you just masturbating while you're on the ground, or are you, like, rubbing your hoo-ha I mean, the into same, the like, dirt? with a tree. I'm wondering, yeah, how well, do you... Well, that bark, that's a whole other how situation. How do you facilitate Ooh, these that interactions? that doesn't sound fun at all. Yeah, yeah. That's not a good schwamp. Don't speak too soon, though. We don't know. We don't know. We got to talk to our guests. Well, there's no way the bark against your clit, I'm just going to say it, is going to be fun. All right, fair. That's some chafing like never before. Old bark clit. Like rug burn. Rug burn doesn't hold a candle. The bark burn. Practice safe ecosex is uh, is what we're saying here. Oh, my God. Wait. Holy shit. Sketch? What? No, I was just wondering if that's like a whole thing. Among you, we have to ask, right, ask. Is there like gear that you wear? Like instead of a condom, you have like a little. Well, exactly. This is what I'm wondering. Are there special you have a little, tools? A little clip, <laughs> a little clit foam thing to. But you know what I, mean? I imagine they have to have to be, They're eco-friendly, whatever they are. It's not this Definitely. plastic bullshit no. that you see at all Definitely. these crazy stores. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least a helmet though. <laughs> Mm. Oh my god, we yeah, have so much to learn. So much to learn. I well, love the earth. Jen, have you ever had sex with a plant? <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, would I have sex with it? Yeah, also, it's also interesting, like, what classifies as sex. And frankly, is it rape? Oh. <laughs> I just brought everything down to, like, you really did. Did that tree consent to you rubbing up on it? I don't know. I mean, what did it consent to the bark burn? <laughs> Here's something cool, though. Yes. Evolutionarily, plants invented sex. That is true. Mm. I think God invented sex. Just kidding. <laughs> Depends and which book a, you're reading. And it's a sin, Matthew. <laughs> yeah, that's a sin. Plants are sinful. Well, today's trivia, if yeah. you're interested. Definitely not. Wait, Just wait, wait, wait. Also, on blogalog- in blogalogs, we did a sketch from isitnormal.com. We also interviewed in this podcast the creator of isitnormal.com. So previous episode, isitnormal.com. One of the posts we performed is, is it normal that I am sexually attracted, attracted to, to plants? plants? That's right. Mm-hmm. Do you remember any of the text, how that went? Hmm, anyway. Oh, great. Good, good story. Good story. Right. <laughs> like a lot of my stories, there was no punchline. <laughs> I'm hilarious. We need to take a break. But before we get to that break, trivia, trivia. it is trivia. I know, Jen already told you she doesn't care. I was trying to put guys. a hard break in there. We're because... revolting. Oh, against trivia. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. I have to admit something. Today's trivia is not about the internet. Okay, but what is are... it about plants? Yes. Great, I'm in. Okay. But I try to keep the thematic, like our show's about the, the internet, internet, and I always internet try to keep it about something. internet culture, And but... Today's trivia is about my favorite tree fact of all time. Oh I'm man! Excited. All right, let's hear it. I can tell. Like, if there's one thing you guys can get excited about, is tree facts. Tree facts. Yeah. Well, we're gonna I know wish you, you better guys through this. See Matthew's so, yeah. face right he now because so it's filled excited. with glee. And Honestly, I, okay, just fucking tell us the trivia. Today's he, trivia. That was him clapping. Four hundred and thirty million years ago. Great. Way before Insta. Graham. Okay. That's when we got the first trees. Okay, this is long before the dinosaurs. Hold on, I'm just taking a moment to just go back. Just, just try to process Well, we this. weren't there to get them, but yeah. The I'm a really right. meta the actress, Earth. so Earth just got give me a trees. moment just to go back. Okay, I'm there with you. She's okay. so method. First. Actor. Right, method, that's what I meant to say. That's yeah. a meta. Actor. <laughs> I don't know, time out. 430 million years ago, this is pre-dinosaurs. Pre-dinosaurs. But life has evolved on land, so we're talking about insects. So we don't even really know if this is true. We know from the fossil record that we this is true. We don't know. 
Plants have been around. <laughs> plants have been around for many millions of years, but 430 million years ago, trees happen, and that's a big deal. They just happen. They just happen. They evolve. It all just happens. It all just happens. Boom. Well, according to one of our episodes, evolution is questionable. <laughs> JK, guys, evolution's not questionable. Matt, you just did a really snappy jazz snap. Just like, yeah, okay, cool. All right, so trees happen. Trees happen. Uh, and we'd had plants for a while, but trees were different because they have rigid trunks, and that's what makes them different from your typical plant life at the so time. Makes them Which sexy is why as fuck. Them. <laughs> <laughs> like a rigid trunk. All right, cool. Now, uh, this is my favorite tree fact because everyone, not everyone, a lot of people perceive evolution as this like path forward of like things get better and better and things get more improved and well if our world right now is any indication things go back a lot <laughs> and this is one of my favorite things because trees kind of fucked up the world mm-hmm. fucked the world or fucked up fucked the up the world okay. I, I know today we think of trees as this wonderful thing they give us oxygen they give us shade don't cut down the trees but trees fucked up the world 430 million years ago why your choices are a early trees produced carbon dioxide instead of oxygen, which created rapid and radical global warming at this time. B, many early trees evolved to be poisonous, so they caused catastrophic extinction events for all the other species on the planet. Or C, early trees could not decompose. They just could not decompose. Those are your three choices. A. Jen's going with A, they produced carbon, carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide. Okay. Yep, final answer. Wow, that's quick. Yeah. She fine. was confident. Mm-hmm. Jen knows her trees. That's what <laughs> I'm going to say. I do. Allie's in the corner, shriveled up. She doesn't know what to, what to make of this. Okay, carbon dioxide. <laughs> po- poisonous mass extinction. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Or they couldn't just bi- biodegrade. They, 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 were not, they were not biodegradable. Trees were not biodegradable at this time. Okay, there would have to be an evolutionary thing that caused them to then counterdevelop in some way. So if they didn't biodegrade at all, what would be the hazard where they started to biodegrade and only those could survive? Sounds like the plot of a really good movie. Uh, I'm so so tired today, guys. I can't even think. So, okay. Do you need the answers again? (laughs) I might. The carbon dioxide thing is crazy, too, because like massive global warming and then this is all about counter-evolution. That's what right. this is about. It's about right. counter-evolution. Wait, and, and option three was... Um, oh, Biodegra- the biodegradable. Biodegradable. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to go with the biodegradable. C. Yeah, okay. I'm going to go with C. All right. I'm not feeling confident because my brain's not forming thoughts. I need some coffee. <laughs> we have that. We have that for you. Why don't we take a break I'm going to drink get some, some coffee, coffee and fuck a tree. <laughs> I'll see ya. BRB. We'll have the correct answer when we come back. And now a real personal advertisement entitled Osteologist... You are studying osteology, but I think not in Philly. You and your girlfriend admired the plastic dog skeleton on my porch, and you thought it was extremely amusing that its scapula were on backwards. (laughs) We tried unsuccessfully to repair it. If that's not enough for you to know what I'm talking about, then you will also remember that you identified a mysterious skull I found in the ocean. Ah. I forget now what kind of fish it's from. Um, So please tell me again what it is, though this is not why I am trying to find you. 
You may recall I mentioned a dead groundhog I buried last summer and that I was hoping to put its skeleton together somehow and I believe you two wanted to help. I think I might see if it's sufficiently decomposed now to do the project. If you're still interested, please get in touch. Just to be clear, this is a platonic request for help to reassemble the skeleton of a dead groundhog. Well, that was a lot. Uh, that was a lot to think about. Um, yeah, so he buries the groundhog to decompose to get a skeleton that he can reassemble. It's a project. It's, it's a project. It's a weekend. It's, it's a Sunday. Yeah. It's gross. It's, it's like craft time. But also, how would you ensure that something else doesn't grab it first? Oh, no, you don't. You it's a risk I'm willing to take. Also, when, when do the maggots come? <laughs> well, they get the decomposition decompos- and then, That's and then just like, they clear yeah. up. That's my existential question I ask every day. I'm like, when do the maggots come? <laughs> God. <laughs> the new Hamlet. And I'm just like, when do the maggots come? The Jennifer Jamula story. <laughs> it's my one woman show. <laughs> this is my memoir. <laughs> All right. Well, now well, we're that's not even that funny, guys. I'm laughing. I'm not laughing. Speaking of, I don't know, dead things. <laughs> sure. I, Great. Would you like to know? Speaking the, of fucking with the ecosystem. Yes. yes. Would you like to know the answer to my favorite tree fact of all time? Matt, Only because I it's do. your favorite tree fact of all time. But then I would also like to mention a time we almost fucked with an ecosystem by accident. What, we as like in me and you? you and you guys, or yeah. or we the human race. Allie and me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't even know what story this oh. is. All right. Can I just tell them quickly? Please do. I'm not going to go deep into it, but um, we. <laughs> I'm so excited because I You will know the story as soon as I tell it. We filmed a web series this winter, and part of it required us to order 150 oh, yeah. snails, snails to be shipped in Lo- within the greater Los Angeles area no, where no, we no, were. No, it came from the Bay. It came from the Bay to, to Los, Los Angeles. Angeles. They arrived, 150 snails. And we had a wonderful woman there who was taking care of them. She created like this little biosphere for them. Like she made this wonderful environment for them to live. But it turns out you cannot release 150 snails into the wild. Like it just as is because it will fuck up the ecosystem. So she had to strategically release the snails throughout the LA area. Right. I do not remember. Peter's going to come after us. But I I do know that that we had this discussion about like what was the the most eco-friendly way to yeah so we didn't fuck, we them. could have fucked up the ecosystem well the really sad thing is that some of the snails arrived and their shells were crushed and we should have put that together before we ordered those snails, no 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 but, no no because no, that was not on us it we was ordered guaranteed them from like a snail they'd farmer they'd be alive and fine <laughs> and, and we had well. actually snails.com no but we had actually asked for baby snails and they said no we can't send you baby snails because the they shells. won't because they're shells they won't survive the shipping oh. so yeah they were they're that's really on them, and I mean, it's terrible, but they're not supposed to ship snails that are too small because they'll break in passage. Right, right. And I um, now have a soft spot for snails after that experience. And they I are actually, so cute. But I can tell you, I had a dream the other day that I was being forced to eat live snails, and I was really upset <gasps> about it. And people were like, why are you so upset? It was like the, the dream, I was like, escargot, like you eat snails, but they were, they alive. were alive. Like it was, yeah. in my dream, it was like totally normal to eat live snails, never was eating them around me, and they didn't understand why I didn't want to. And I was like, you don't understand, like I did this web series, and I really bonded with them like, if my you never hung with a snail I totally recommend it because yeah, they totally, like personalities they're really cute uh, when they come out of their I, would, I wouldn't say they have personalities 
Well, we made them. We, we gave them like a mini tea we set. Gave we gave them personalities. Stuff. Never go to a farm. Never meet a cow or a pig because you will. I don't know what you'll eat. Yeah, exactly. No, I've met cows. But the steals, like this, is, this was, I had to. I was trying to. Bre- I was trying to break a Guinness World Record about with snail about snails on the face, and I had to fit. Oh God, I remember, fifty-seven snails on my something face? like that. Fifty-eight. I don't even remember. I was trying to get snails to stick to my face. I did not win, but everyone was like, "Oh my God, I can't believe you're gonna put snails in your face. That's disgusting." It actually like really didn't phase me. The only thing that phased me, which I know didn't you're gonna make say. it into the footage, Ugh. is I told Jen. I said, "Your only responsibility is to make sure that the snail." does not snail away over my lips. Mm-hmm. That is your only responsibility is to make sure it does not cross these lips because the mucus. This is your only, your only responsibility, Jamula. Guess where this is going? <laughs> <laughs> I and failed. And I had, I was also kind of concerned because a little antenna in my nostril would have made me, <laughs> and then in my ears. So I wore, uh, nose plugs. Nose Or like tubes, uh, tubes, tubes. And earplugs. And then I, you can't move your face because the snails are trying to stick. And I feel this, oh, snails can move pretty fast. I feel this one just cruising across my cheek, cruising. And I go like this. I, I thought it was and a I'm snail pointing, making noise. I didn't I'm know. I'm pointing at my lips. I'm pointing at my lips. And the other cast member goes, I think she's trying to tell you something. And Jen's just living on the clouds. <laughs> she's, she's drinking a cappuccino listening to her I was trying iPod. to put the snail no, to your face. So I was under I this pressure. can't move. And I start crying. Tears are sliding down my face. And they got a close-up shot of it snailing right over oh. your mouth. My lips. And a little tear falls. It's the best footage. And they didn't, didn't include that? It didn't make it into the episode. I'm like, how the fuck did that not make it into the episode? I know. That would be what the was thumbnail. It all for? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm crying while a snail crosses my lips. Yeah. Right. It didn't make it in. All right. Well, that was our story. That's when you became <laughs> an need, ecosexual. I need that footage. <laughs> we should demand that footage. <laughs> All right, Matt, tell us your favorite tree fact. Here's my favorite tree fact. Today's trivia is not about internet culture, but it is about trees. Trees popped on the scene 430 million years ago. Hepcats. <laughs> popped up. And they were different from your previous plants because they had rigid trunks, and that was a big deal. Sex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But they fucked up the earth. Why? Uh, Jen said um, that they... Were releasing carbon dioxide. They were releasing carbon dioxide. Early trees gave off carbon dioxide, not oxygen. I want you all to know that Matt has a clipboard with him and he has drawn a tiny tree. (laughs) (laughs) Just so I know. Allie, you chose option C, which is that early trees could not decompose. You know what? That can't possibly be right because isn't doesn't everything on all natural things on Earth decompose? They do, all of them. Yeah. So that that can't be you, it. You actually. are welcome to change your answer. That cannot be it. Do you want to know? Uh, option B was that uh, early trees evolved to be poisonous and it caused catastrophic extinction events for the wildlife at the time. I'll go with poison. <laughs> okay. So you're going with option B. 200 poison. (laughs) Give me some arsenic. (laughs) The correct answer is C. Fucking hell. (laughs) Always go with your gut because it's always right. Oh my God. Everything in the world decomposes. That is sort of, yes, that is true. But it only decompose things only decompose when another when organism other eats it. Yeah. So what happened was trees evolved with a certain uh, chemical or substance. I'm looking it up here. It is uh, ligand. I want to make sure I'm saying that right. 
What am I doing? Whatever, the internet will correct ligand, you. Ligand, ligand, ligand. So uh, trees were different from plants because they had ligand, which made them rigid. And no microorganism creature on the entire earth could digest ligand. It was this new evolutionary substance. So for 40 million years, fucking tree trunks everywhere. No. Trees would grow, they would die, and they would just sit there for millions of years because nothing on planet earth could digest them and put them back into the soil into the ground so that's where a lot of coal comes from there's this myth that like dinosaurs are the source of oil and coal it's like no 40 fucking million years of trees just sat and got buried in the earth and that's a ton of coal wow why did i change my answer at the last second but for 40 million years the entire earth was just covered in dead trees trees, and like it was like an eco look the earth doesn't give a shit i want to see a photo the earth doesn't give a shit what happens on it so it's like the earth doesn't care that this is happening but ecologically it was a it was like a crisis for all of the plant and animal life after 40 million years a certain organism came along and saved the day what was bonus it? points <gasps> if you can figure it out oh you there's not like you would know but it, i just find it interesting fungi Oh, interesting. Fungi yeah, of were course. Like, that makes oh, sense. Okay, we got this. And they started digesting <laughs> yeah, trees. And that's how we got into the more modern era of plant life of like cycle evolutionary or bi- biodegradable cycles of trees and plant life and things well like that. Well done. Fungi, fungi saved the world uh, f- 390 million years ago. Is it ago. not fungi? Fungi, fungi. I don't know. Maybe I'm saying the wrong thing. Like Jedi? Funguses. <laughs> fungi. Fung- <laughs> it might be fungi. It might be fungi. Fungi. Thanks, fungu. <laughs> That's my favorite tree fact. Cool. We all remember when I almost got that right. Yep. You so mean like close. a minute ago? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Never, cool. for, never forget. All right. Well, talking about rigid trunks, <laughs> let's get into the ecosexual interview. Boom. We are so thrilled to be speaking with Jennifer Reed. She is a PhD candidate in sociology. Her dissertation focuses on the ecosexual movement. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you. I appreciate being here. We're glad you're here. Can you tell us how you first discovered ecosexuality? Well, it was interesting in that um, my areas for my PhD in sociology were both separately sexuality and environmental sociology. So, these and then two who knew interests. that they just yeah. boom? <laughs> <laughs> I had these two separate interests that I was working on, and had people kind of teasing me that you know, how, how are you going to put these things together? And then, um, <laughs> lo and behold, uh, as I was doing more research, I started finding things about ecosexuality. Sexuality, uh, first on the internet. Oh, good old internet. <laughs> yep, good old internet. <laughs> it's always there for you. So the term started showing up when I was doing my research, and I'm like, well, wow, <laughs> that wasn't where I started, but wow, that's a great place to go with it. And when was this? What year? That was back in 2010. So, so what exactly happened? You were you were googling around, like, what, how this go down? Let's see, I started my PhD uh, at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas in 2008. Um, And, you know, you have these required classes you're doing first, and I'm chugging along with that stuff. And then I was starting to get into more of my specific research. So, yes, I started Googling around on, you know, environmental um, issues and sexuality issues. And um, I came across Annie Sprinkle and um, Beth Stevens first that were working on issues um, with the ecosexual 
ecosexuality and the ecosexual movement in one form, which was um, through performance art, marriages to the earth and other nature elements. So that was the, my first encounter with was finding out about that, reading about that on the internet. So um, even coming across the term ecosexuality, I was like, really excited to find it and that but that was my first introduction was through them um but then so i started researching it and finding out um because they made it very they made it very explicit that the term was not their term that it had been around before they started using it in that way so i began you know um as researchers do i began doing like the back trail to find out where the term had first originated and where all of this had begun so that that began my research into ecosexuality and where where did where you did it trace start? it back yeah. Um, As far as the term ecosexuality, around the turn of the century, the term ecosexuality started showing up um, again on the good old internet. It started showing up uh, also in print materials, but but the internet is where it really took off was um, dating websites where people described themselves as an ecosexual, meaning that they were only interested in other ecosexuals that were people who environmental issues and the way that they treated the environment and the certain of their environmental views were so important to them. They only wanted to have a partner who shared those things. It's interesting to me that they chose to affiliate, to assign themselves this label ecosexual as opposed to I'm an environmentalist and looking for another environmentalist. I guess that maybe Um, sounds like a profession. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> right. Um, but I mean, part of the ecosexuality then is as far as because it also, you know, it, it also goes into the bedroom. So it's not just about I mean, yes, it's about environmental general things, but it but it crosses specifically into the bedroom as far as green practices um, sexually. Let's go there. Let's go into the bedroom. Let's dive in. <laughs> so what are these ecosexual practices? Well, I also yes, just want to say the bedroom's always fun. Yeah. So. And it's interesting. Uh- <laughs> I don't think a lot of people think about being green in the bedroom at all. Like, you know, that's just not a place you would think of going green necessarily most right. people well yeah. because i think like sex education just doesn't take any of that into account. no 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 yeah so how do you go green in the bedroom <laughs> uh so uh, you go green in the bedroom by um first of all uh you know the products that you use in the bedroom anywhere from your lubricants that you may use you know um what i found pretty quickly was that in the united states being that we tend to still have some of a puritanical culture going on that sexual products are marketed as adult novelty items. So things that you can buy in, you know, say um, an adult toy store or, you know, um, an adult outlet are marketed only as um, adult novelty items. So that means they have no health codes on them. So a lot of the stuff that's being sold, it has toxic things in them. So a lot of the lubes have things that would not be good to put in your body, um, would not be good to put on your skin or in your, in your, you know, in your mouth, let alone in, you know, your private parts, particularly for women. <laughs> um, and, you know, and then with sex toys, the same thing. Sex toys um, have been made out of materials that... Uh, some of which have been banned to even be used in um, kids' toys, you know, and now we're using what? them on our most intimate parts. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. I only kind of know, knew this and my mind is blown. The novelty designation, so there's no 
health there's no monitoring no like regulation. the fda isn't yeah. fucking looking into what you're putting oh yeah. my god yeah. So- yeah absolutely so yeah i was really blown by that um and uh and found that you know a part of um so once people start identifying as ecosexual and talking you know bringing things more to light about the you know products used in the bedroom there was a movement like simultaneously with uh greening the bedroom greening the sex toy industry then so people started drawing attention to this um, actually creating educational classes around it, creating businesses around it. And it was really led by women. So it was a very women led. <laughs> yes. It was, it was a women led kind of, um, revolution basically in the sex toy industry and the adult pleasure industry, which also ended up becoming a part of ecosexuality. Um, Wait, so tell was- us more about, before we go there, tell us more about what is toxic in these products and what our listeners you know, and myself, what we should, what should not be in there. You're asking for a friend. I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's me. One of the main things that should not be in there are phthalates. Um, what the phthalate. fuck is a phthalate? That sounds like something that's supposed to be there. You know what I mean? Something that should be there, right? Like phthalates, phthalate. You know, but yeah, but phthalates are, you know, if you think about some of our dildos that are kind of like jelly-like, that jelly-like materials usually got the phthalates in them the yes those are really funny though for sketches we We've use stuck them a in our live show but my storage space smells so weird yeah they're fine on the walls just not in your body um, yeah what, what happens is that phthalates um they break down over time they're not a stable material so they literally off gas they off gas toxic material and that toxicity gets absorbed into your body. Wow. So they're really, they're really nasty. And oh my God. can you quickly tell us about some of the alternatives, uh, alternative lubricants or toys that yeah, are what, out there? Yeah, what shouldn't be on our lube? And what kind of lube should we be looking for? Um, so let's see, lubes, I mean, shoot, you can buy, you know, I mean, you can buy specific lubes that say they're natural lubes, but really beginning with the ecosexual stuff, a lot of people were like, why are we even buying things that are marketed as lubes? Why aren't we using, you know, why aren't we using the olive oil in our kitchen? right we have a lot of natural because i don't know is that gonna burn like why would i don't know i don't know that i don't want to necessarily just salt my vagina you're not gonna salt it possibly use and um you know has a lot less chance of of causing you any issues than a lot of the things that are marketed so you're saying olive oil good to go coconut oil good to go good to go it's it's you know it's all natural and um i'm gonna start fucking in the kitchen as as with most things that you're gonna use in the bedroom you're gonna want to you know protect your sheets (laughs) right (laughs) i mean people think of the oils being really messy but i mean a lot of the other stuff is as well but then also a lot of the other stuff is toxic as well yes yes um, yeah people go in here bedroom it just always smells like coconuts That's my or olive oil, just like always. The coconut oil, yeah. Just like, make sure you're not allergic to coconuts. Either, yeah. So. And and what about some of the toys? It's just what what other materials are being used? Um, so silicone toys are really popular. Mm. So silicone toys. One thing that's interesting with that though. So silicone toys. Number one, they're expensive. It can be great if you invest in those because they last for a long time, you know, um, but they are expensive to buy offhand. So, I mean, again, a lot of ecosexuals say, why don't you just get a cucumber? You know, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of more natural things, but That's as far so as toys themselves, yes. Um, so, um, so the one caution I want to give with silicone though, is if you have silicone toys, you don't want to use silicone lube with them as well. 
there's an interesting interaction between silicone toys and silicone lube. So silicone toys are good. Silicone lube are good. Putting them together is not good. Do they <laughs> so, like negate each other or like, what happens? Um, they they kind of like the toy kind of gets eaten a little bit. Interesting. All right. <laughs> yeah, they have, a, they have some kind of reaction between the, the, the liquid the lube is and the, you know, the solid the, the toy is. And so you don't want to put the two together. One or the other is great, but you don't want the two together. Got it. Okay. Oh, what about this whole latex thing? Latex depends on, I mean, a lot of people are actually allergic to latex um, or have a, you know, a, a mild sensitivity to latex. So, I mean, a lot of times women will say that, you know, they kind of burn after using a latex condom. And that's, uh, that's, I mean, a lot of people have an allergy or a sensitivity to latex. So it doesn't have, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but for a lot of people it is. Wait, so what are the alternatives that ecosexuals are using? Um, polyurethane um, is, a, is a type of condom that you can get as well. That doesn't sound uh, very natural. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, um, I was thinking yeah, of leaf. No, just kidding. Don't use leaves. It's, it's, it's not toxic to people's, you know, bodies at least, um, as, as far as an alternative. So part of it is, uh, I guess I want to say, how natural do you want to go? So that's, that's one of the interesting things. Cause there's people that, um, you know, are strictly green all the way and say, you know, we don't want to use any unnatural materials as far as it aren't just, uh, found that way in nature. But then there's, I mean, cause I mean, silicone, I mean, silicone is another thing, it's, you know, as far as how natural, I mean, you're not finding silicone toys in nature either, you know, um, so. <laughs> they don't grow on trees. <laughs> right. Cool. right. The old dildo um, there, tree. <laughs> there's an interesting uh, person I found that's um, selling, I, I've not used these, so I don't know, but I've heard some people say they like them, but it seems kind of odd to me, but she sells, they're called shock rubs, like chakra, but shock rubs, and they are actually like penis shaped toys made out of different minerals. Oh, <laughs> oh I'm really interested guys. <laughs> yeah, so they're supposed to like correspond to different chakras. Like they'll have a, you know, one toy that's made out of say, you know, rose quartz. that's supposed to correspond so this is getting to your, involved with your crystals and stuff. So, I'm into that. Yeah. Oh no. So that's, that's one particular, that's another one that I recently was, uh, you know, made aware of. That's an interesting, that's interesting. really going straight into fucking rocks. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Can we just get into how do you have sex with a tree? <laughs> yeah, we, we've been wondering. Well, I mean, the, the the idea of literally having sex with a tree, I mean, that's that's where people go with it a lot of times, like, you know, as far as thinking about ecosexuality, that, oh, I was having sex with a tree, but that's not really, I mean, that's not really what it is. Um, you know, people aren't really so much out there having sex with a tree. It's, it's more about... Because um, of the chafing? <laughs> well, it's more, it's more about like the energy exchange, you know, it, it really gets into what is sex, you know, it really gets down to the like, what, is, what does it mean to have sex is, is having sex, you know, what our culture often makes it sound like it is just, um, you know, actually having sexual body parts touching each other, you know? And I mean, really, we think of this heteronormative idea of sex of like penis and vagina a lot of times when we think of sex, but there's lots of ways to have sex. Sensuality um, being mm -hmm. part of, of what's going on here. Mm -hmm. So bark burn isn't a thing or? <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine there's all kinds of uh, fetishes. So, you know, sure. that, may, that may be for some people. <laughs> but in general, that's not like, that's not like the general ecosexual thing. Mm -hmm. um, we know that Annie Sprinkle and Beth Stevens are important to this movement. Could you tell us yeah. who they are? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, so Annie Sprinkle actually is is who people usually identify with the name more readily as she's a 
She's an international um, porn performer, um, formerly, uh, and a feminist porn performer. She was, um, back in the 80s, you know, uh, was a prostitute in New York City and was um, an early person who produced, uh, who, who first starred in porn and then produced her own feminist porn um, later on. Uh, so she's been well known as far as her uh, feminist stance and sexuality, um, her radical, you know, feminist, sex positive kind of um, uh, way of, of being. And she's also been a radical sex educator where she's gone around the country and uh, in the world at this point and done, um, done shows to educate people about sex in positive ways, such as um, one of her most famous is doing uh, her public cervix announcement, where she literally <laughs> took a, she took a speculum and had it up in her and was spread wide and had um, kind of like a microscope type of thing that people could look inside of her. Oh my um, God! <laughs> to see what women's anatomy really looks like. She's like, people don't know, so. <laughs> I love that. Love. Also, people probably really did, I'm sure people took advantage of, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, how'd that go? How'd, how'd that go? go? I mean, it's it's still. I mean, you, if you if you Google public cervix announcement, you know, it's something that still people know a lot about, and it's been done in a in a lot of, uh, like I said, different different countries. Um, there's been protests of it <laughs> in some I'm places. I'm sure, sure. <laughs> you know, um, but there's been you know a lot of positive response too from people that said, "Hey, I had no idea," and this is a great way to connect with people on a real you know, on a real level to understand more about sexuality. So she really came into the movement from the, the sexuality side and was somebody that was already well known for her sex positive um, way of being. And uh, she'd been in relationships with, you know, both men and women and, you know, was had gotten to a point where she identified as queer. And then she had started dating um, Beth Stevens. And Beth Stevens is a, a professor of art at the University of California, Santa Cruz. Um, and she originally grew up in uh, the Appalachian and Appalachian area of West Virginia, um, where there was mountaintop removal coal mining happening and had gotten more involved in um, some of the you know environmental issues from where she had grown up. So take us back with the whole movement. You said it was around 2000 dating sites. The term started to show uh -huh. up around their ecosexuality. How yes. did it start to evolve? And at that time, Annie Sprinkle, what she was already doing, they were already doing their performance artwork or... Uh, no, they started doing their performance artwork in 2008. So okay. it, was, it was it was quite a few years later. Um, as far as adding the ecosexual component to their performance artwork, they started doing performance artwork around gay marriage in 2005. So when they um, went to get married as a queer couple in San Francisco, it was when Prop 8 happened and they ended up being stopped from getting married. So they started a series of performance art weddings around gay marriage. And um, they had set up a series of seven years of, of weddings, which is a particular structure that an artist had done and they were copying that kind of structure. Um, and in year four of their project, which was halfway through, it was 2008 and the color of the project in that year because they went through chakra colors. The color was green and they were um, doing a lot of environmental art at that time as well because Beth was raised in uh, Appalachian, uh, West Virginia. And there was a lot of 
activism that was starting to happen and more awareness around mountaintop removal coal mining and what that was doing to the environment and the health and the region where she grew up. So she was doing a lot of art around environmental issues at that time as well. So she, uh, she was working with some environmental artists at the same time that they were planning their next ecosexual or well, at that time it wasn't ecosexual even, their next performance art wedding around gay marriage. And they ended up, you know, with artists coming together and talking about how to incorporate these these concepts, you know, it, it became a a team project where it was like, why don't we marry the earth along with marrying each other um, and bring the idea of equal partnership back to to humans in the earth? Because it's a big part of if you really go back into what, what's causing a lot of the environmental issues is this idea that, you know, humans are separate from the environment and in some ways are like lords over the environment kind of thing. But there's the separation between humans and the environment. But really, humans are a part of nature. And their whole idea of, of also doing the performance art wedding around marrying nature was, was to think of the earth as a mutual partner. Um, rather than something that you can just take, take, take from. And at the same time, then they created this idea of, you know, ecosexual changing the metaphor from earth as mother to earth as lover, because the idea of earth as mother has really, at first it was, it was a way that kind of protected the earth, but it's gotten to a place, and that was more like the native, you know, native American and, and, and indigenous peoples. Um, but now it's kind of become like, you know, a mother, somebody we just take, take, take from and, and she can't breastfeed us forever. <laughs> so, you know, she's tired and, and we need a different way of looking at this relationship. Okay. So, so it began with these two artists, activists creating, um, uh, performance art around gay marriage and then ecosexuality and then where did it go from there who took it and ran with it the internet no what what happened from there well i mean that's really been they've really run with it as far as spreading the message um to where they've been invited because they started out like i said they had a seven-year wedding project and they had agreed to do at least one wedding for each year and in 2008 they did their first ecosexual wedding well that's the, they always invited the public to come and join for their for their weddings. So the public was invited, and um, the more people that came to you know that came, you know, it set off kind of you know the the wheels in motion in their head, and so they would tell other people about it. And before they knew it, they started being invited to do weddings in other places that they hadn't even planned to do. It was like they were getting invitations, you know, to different countries to, hey, would you come marry a lake with us here? You know, um, would you come marry the coal to, you know, bring attention to that we need to keep it in the ground in like Spain, you know? So, um, so it really took off that most often it was performance artists. Other performance artists resonated with the performance art that they were doing. But there was also, um, it also resonated strongly with um, you know, the queer community uh, because they were doing the, 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 the queer art as well. So there was a, a lot of queer community. Also then the mix was uh, the polyamorous community was involved quite a bit then as well. So people who identified that had been marginalized in some way sexually, you know, as far as kind of, kind of sexual, considered kind of sexual minorities um, that, that got involved in different ways. So um, you had communities that 
intentional communities that have gotten involved that are intentional polyamorous communities that have done, um, you know, have done, they've done weddings at their, you know, at their, in their polyamorous communities and talked about ecosexuality as a way to kind of um, couch polyamory in. So to kind of give it a new spin to, you know, because it's become a, in the younger generation, it's, it's, it's picking up again kind of thing. And, and ecosexuality is another way to, to talk about polyamory as well, as far as the sharing of resources being a very ecosexual thing, including right. sharing <laughs> of lovers. Do you have a sense now of uh, how many people self-identify as this? The estimate I got from when I last talked to Annie and Beth from their travels, they estimated about 15,000 people that 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 was their estimate was was around 15,000. I really don't know, though. Um, I think that's 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 a great estimate as far as but they're looking at the performance art side of things. Um, Another direction that this has really gone is is more the health route as well. So there was a book that was published in 2010 um, called Ecosex go green between the sheets and make your love life sustainable. I get it. It's punny. It's punny. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it was, it's actually, it's a woman from New York city who wrote that book that has really gotten people thinking more about kind of where we started out talking about the greening of the sex toy industry and just the greening of the bedroom in general. And, and even to the idea of becoming a healthier person in order to um, have the energy to be able to have sex, you know, because the more we, the more we are in touch with our own bodies and the more we're in touch with um, our own health, the more energy that we have to be sexual beings, you know? So she goes all, she goes really big with it, you know? Um, and so there's quite a few people that have gotten involved on more of that uh, kind of a more individualistic level too, you know, rather than being a part of like a movement that's going to join performance art kind of communities or join say, a, you know, a, an intentional community. It's more just their, personal lifestyle choices um, have changed and they identify as an ecosexual in that way. How much does activism play into this as far as you can see and and people like just very directly dealing with all the crises that are happening in the earth, (laughs) like dealing with that through this movement? Yeah, uh, I think that's a, a a tremendously important part of this movement. And one thing that that's really kept me um, involved in studying the movement um, is that there is there's joy and there's hope that are a part of this movement that you just don't see in a lot of environmental kind of activist happenings. Um, Cause there, there's, there's a lot of, I mean, we have dire issues. There's no doubt about it, but when, there's a lot of doom and gloom around those issues. People just tend to shut down. So you're saying that all activism should be done through the lens of sex. <laughs> Not all activism, but I mean, it can And then it would be exciting. Everybody would get on board. Sex sells. <laughs> it gets more people on board, yes. Uh, it also, it also, anger, it, it, there are people in the you know environmental movement that think that it detracts from the environmental movement as well. There is that Look, sign. I think politics would be a lot better if people would just smoke some pot and get laid. So <laughs> there is that. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, there is that. So so a piece I think is really important, as I was saying, is is part that it it's fun. People dress up in to do performance art. They dress up in crazy costumes, you know? And and like what? 
so um so for their like performance art wedding they always had a theme color which so for their first um ecosexual wedding the color was green and so they asked people to dress in green and and most people wore kind of like it was kind of like going to the prom you know <laughs> it was people wearing big flowy dresses or wearing you know as far as if they were more the femme style or you have people that were more you know more the butch style or queer style but you you had um just amazing kind of performance art outfits that were interesting to look at it makes it fun you know people are dressing up putting glitter on and and you know and, and part of it is doing performance art and dancing and everybody joining in together so it's not just like annie and beth getting married they also include the other people you know in say the vows with us and and they invite people to come up and share some you know like a poem or whatever they kind of want to add to it so it it gets people working together and getting to know each other and having fun doing it instead of it being something that's so serious, you know? Um, and it also engages, it engages a different crowd than a lot of what has been engaged in the environmental movement as well. Because when we think of say Sierra Club, we think of people like in a boardroom around a table and a lot of people like that are involved more in the queer movements, you know, they're more comfortable in their costumes, you know, outdoors, having fun, dancing around. They're not gonna have, you know, find it productive to sit in a stuffy boardroom um, behind a desk. So mm -hmm. it brings in some different people than have, have been involved in the environmental movement as well. So just to clarify, these weddings are a couple getting married, but like to the environment as well? Like what's the... Yes, yes. So Annie and Beth are always, they're always marrying each other, recommitting to their vows, and at the same time committing to a particular element. So in in the green year in 2008, it was the earth and it was more the general first time, you know, of, of marrying the earth. Um, and then it became the next year, uh, they married the moon. Uh, they married, um, they married the sea, which is, has a really interesting backstory too, because actually the marriage to the sea goes way back. The marriage to the Adriatic sea in Italy has a history way, way back, um, from people marrying the sea in order to, to bring like uh, good luck in the riches that would be brought in through the port, you know, through the sea and the interaction between people and the sea and wanting the sea to stay, um, you know, stay calm enough to bring in there, bring things into the port to be able to sell and so forth. So, so that the Adriatic Sea is non-monogamous? <laughs> right, Polyamorous yeah. sea? Right, right. The, yeah, so you have, yeah, you have the Adriatic Sea, which is, it's so interesting because it's, it's you know, we're talking about people that, we're talking about Italy that's Catholic. You have, um, you know, mainly, not not totally, but, you know, the Roman Catholic. Um, and so you have actually like a, um, a, a priest would go and throw, they bring a boat out onto the sea and then and they would throw a ring into the water to symbolize marrying the sea, um, that, that like the, the city was marrying the sea, the people there. So, um, so interesting that, the, you know, this history got brought back again. So it's, so this ecosexuality is definitely, it's something new, but it's not something totally new. You know, they're really borrowing pieces and parts from before and incorporating some of the old and bringing it into the new um, and, and recognizing also and, and talking more openly now about how, you know, a lot of this is really because uh, one of the critiques has been like, isn't this a very white person way of doing things? You know, I mean, and so they've been really incorporating more like, you know, a lot of these ideas we're, we're actually bringing back indigenous things, you know, only spinning it a different way to call it ecosexuality so that it engages, you know, a, a modern audience today. We have to go there. Can we ask you about some of the fetishes? Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, like, is there really no tree fucking? Like, come on. <laughs> like, are people having sex with soil? Like, you know, th- these are things we've seen online. Yeah. What's real? What's not? <laughs> okay. Um. So, like I said, a lot of it is performance art. So, you know, when you see, like, the people, like, having sex with soil, it's... Uh, they married, like, Annie and Beth married the soil, and they did a performance art piece where people are rolling. Or they, they had a bed that was made with soil, and they're rolling around in the soil. And that's a performance art piece, you know? And it's, and it's again, bringing the idea of nature, um, of humans being a part of nature and not separate from. And, you know, and everybody pretty much everybody relates to like playing in the dirt when we were kids and and now like science is showing that it's actually beneficial to have played in the dirt like it 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 can help inoculate you from catching certain things by you know by playing in the dirt and that it grounds us if we actually take our shoes off and walk on the earth that it has beneficial properties to us so i mean there's things that we kind of make fun with it and have fun with it performance art wise. But when science is actually backing up a lot of these things as being beneficial to our own health, because again, we're not separate from the environment or a part of, so putting ourselves back into it, some of them look like ridiculous ways as far as like the, you know, rolling in the dirt <laughs> with, you know, with no clothes on. So yeah, I mean, it looks like it can look crazy, but that's performance art, you know, performance art is meant to subvert the kind of dominant paradigm and, and get people to, to talk about it. So, I mean, they're doing, in their job in the sense that people are going oh wow what's that that's crazy but i mean that's that's what performance art does it, it gets people engaged to talk about an issue so as far as um fetishes it's interesting that that they've kind of created these people have kind of created these categories now of like the kind of going along with the, like the earth fire air water you know and having like which thing are you drawn to the most what turns you on more what is your fetish you know are you more drawn to like like a wind fetish or you know you get turned on by the air like you know um rustling through your hair in the wind that would be difficult just to like live life you know what i mean you're walking down the streets so wind blows and you're like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> right i mean it's a way that you can think about like being aroused at any time you know? so, especially in san francisco um, Go. That's like, a windy I mean, city. People think about like hiking, <laughs> oh, uh, city, hiking right? in the mountains, you know, and having like people talk about having like these experiences of oneness when they're in nature, you know, like when they're hiking in the mountains or when they're swimming in the ocean. And I mean, people talk about orgasms in that sort of way too, you know, that oneness with. So I mean, there's there's a lot of just a lot of things going on here with the energetic kind of um, exchange uh, that are like a lot broader here. But but I was saying again, uh, so water is a big one for people. You know, how many how many people have, you know, had some experience in, in water as far as sexually? I mean, whether it be with another human partner or whether it be with the water itself, you know, with the with the jets on your on your, uh, <laughs> you know, on your hot tub. So Yeah, there's a whole movie about it. She fucks a fish. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Sorry. She fucks the fish. <laughs> Were you just so thrilled when your two interests collided in this way? Absolutely. I <laughs> I was ecstatic. And like I said, this has kept me, I mean, it's 20, I can't even believe it's 2018 now. And I started studying this in, you know, 2010. So it's been eight years I've been studying this. And, you know, there's times I'm like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't so much want to talk about it today. So, you know, but but I haven't totally lost interest. Like people that get involved in research, usually after a couple of years, they're like, oh, I am so sick of my topic. I never want to talk about this stuff again. They want to like get it done writing and never look at it again. You know, they like want to burn it. But the more I get into it, um, I just, I think it's fascinating and I still love it. Um, I love that, you know, I have genuine interest in both areas and then to see these two things come together and to see the hopefulness 
and the fun in this movement at a time where there's a lot of negative dark stuff out there and a lot of division out there just that 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 level of hope in this sort of activism keeps me engaged in it well thank you so much jennifer that's a great place for us to leave off i think thank you yeah thank you so much it was a lot of fun and i appreciate it i appreciate the opportunity well that was not what i expected but very educational Agreed. So what were you expecting? I thought we were going to learn a lot about weird ass fetishes and how to masturbate in the dirt. I know. <laughs> I know. You were but hoping. surprise, yeah. surprise, <laughs> I was very happy with where it went instead. Yeah. So turns I'm out. I'm definitely greening my bedroom. I'm definitely going to green my bedroom, too. She makes a good point about there are already so many things you could use that would be a lot less expensive no, I don't t- think that was the point. Well, it wasn't the like, expensive the point. Silicone is expensive, right? <laughs> no, no. I was thinking about like the oils you already, the stuff you already have in your kitchen. Is I did I not was- realize quite how toxic these things were and how they they are novelty items and what that therefore means about their regulation or lack thereof. I did not know that, and I learned today how to keep my hoo ha safe and sound. <laughs> Disease right. and toxin free. It's this fucked up. The, 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 it's like here's a product to put in your body. And the FDA is like, Wh- whatever, we whatever, because they just why? don't want to deal with Not it. That's really interesting. Because it's women and gay men, so <laughs> nobody <laughs> cares. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that's part. And just the fact that it's like taboo or whatever. <laughs> if, it well, went, see if, you later. if it went inside straight men's bodies, do you think it'd be different? Yes. Yep, you make a point. You make uh, a no, point. No, I'm there. just asking. Really, no, maybe yeah, you're no. gonna argue. I don't know. <laughs> or, or is it more? I don't disagree. But is it all about like that? Sex is sexy time and dirty, and so it's not, FDA is like not that that's prude. Yeah, but it's no, I more think like, there's a lot of different factors, and Full that the industry show. there could also we don't know, but it's more like it could be the industry is like we don't want to deal with FDA regulations, so we're gonna classify our product as novelty. Therefore, because I mean, I'm sure government regulation adds cost to everything, so. Mm-hmm. It's probably both sides. I'm going to speculate. All right, everybody. Uh, No loop. We're all doing olive oil. Mm -hmm. Everybody's bedroom is going to smell like oil. (laughs) That doesn't come out of sheets, though, olive oil. It doesn't. I'd recommend coconut coconut oil, y'all. It smells better. (laughs) And then in the morning, you make your brunch. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little coconut oil, cracked eggs. You got to be careful, though, how you mix and mash. Wash your hands. I haven't told you this, but I've started using a lot of really natural bath products. Like in, it's not surprising. Not surprising, but I'm constantly taking things from my kitchen to my bathroom, back <laughs> to my kitchen again. I just think like if it's just me, it's okay, but I can't involve other people in that. You know what I mean? It's kind of gross if you take the honey jar. From, <laughs> I don't know. It's like from your tea to your face wash. That's it's, not gross. It's no, only gross so. if like right. it's on your genitals and then it's in your breakfast. <laughs> like you have to the, the be same, careful right. how you scoop that out. You got to have separate jars. Yeah. <laughs> separate jars. Separate jars. jars. Separate. So have your coconut oil for your bedroom and your coconut oil for your kitchen. One for your eggs, one for your penis. <laughs> cool. Right. Yeah. And label them with just, just large letters. Just large um, penis. Large, <laughs> large photographs. Just draw a dick on it. Just draw a dick on it. Cool. Um, I'm oh. offended, though, by this interview because <laughs> it's, a- it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Earth. That's all I have to say. Oh, man. <laughs> 
Matt. I don't think there was any mention of Adam and her. <laughs> I don't know where you just got them from. You don't know that? I know that reference. Come on. You don't know yeah. that reference? It's a no. terrible reference. It's what? Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. That's what Bible uh, thumpers say about I'm sorry. Like, I ignore them so heavily that I didn't remember you didn't the reference. Do you remember? Yeah. I am so woke. I didn't even get that joke. <laughs> Adam and Eve, not Adam woke and Steve. Joke. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. There's so much fucking every which way in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, doesn't doesn't Guys, some daughter try Matt, to seduce her father? I'm not kidding. Yeah, this is. Yeah. I was like incest. The idea of woke jokes is really funny. Woke jokes. Woke joke. <laughs> like what can fly these days? Let's make that book mm-hmm. a woke jokes. Mm-hmm. That'll be your next podcast. Guys. I'm not sure that we're allowed to. Oh yeah, we're not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> Just in the realm of woke jokes, like maybe someone else. <laughs> Anywho, <True>. Anywho <laughs> haha. Um, oh, would you marry an ocean? Let us know. The Adriatic Sea <laughs> I was asking Allie specifically. seems to be available. Huh? Allie, which ocean would you marry? Adriatic Sea is my role model. Hey, girl, I'm asking you. I don't know why she's avoiding me right now. <laughs> would it's I marry a, the ocean? Which ocean touchy, or sea? It is a touchy topic. Touchy topic. I love scuba diving, as you know. But um, at the same time, the ocean like doesn't put out the way I want it to. Mm. It mm-hmm. puts out a lot of things, like sushi. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to say no go on me marrying an ocean. <laughs> okay, cool. Matt, was there an ocean or sea you would marry? You know, oceans are dangerous, scary places. Yeah. So if I was going to marry a body of water, I'm going to go with like a, a lake or a river, waterfall oh, maybe. I think those are way scarier. Lakes yeah. are where the monsters live. Uh, <laughs> ocean. Yeah, but you one. go deep in that ocean. There's yeah. some creatures down there, man. How you can't you? just marry half an ocean. You can't no. just marry the shallow end. You got to go, go deep. You should marry a babbling brook. I'd, mm. I'd love to go deep into the ocean. Is there? Oh. When you go really deep, there are all these fish that glow in the dark. Mm-hmm. You could marry those too. I mean, also <laughs> if you go night diving, there are fish that glow in the dark, even up top. But apparently when you go really deep, there are crazy oh, yeah. fish. Bioluminescence. Mm-hmm. I want to see the crazy fish in the deep. Oh, bioluminescence is amazing. I went um, on a kayak tour of course you did of, in the bio was this when the, mon- <laughs> when the monkeys attacked you no this is different in tamales the bioluminescent monkeys <laughs> i was with the president of egypt and a monkey <laughs> in, no. a canoe. in a submarine no. uh, in california there's a bay and they have a bioluminescent kayak tour and it's unbelievable i mean you dip your oar into the water and it's like glitter bomb i mean it's like the stars fell into the water it's unbelievable that's, cool. yeah. that's a beautiful way to describe that it's that should be beautiful. your vows to bioluminescence when you when marry, I marry the bioluminescent bay it's malis bay I'm going to be like... I think I identified what you're going to marry. Here we go. The stars fell into Bay. the water. <laughs> Alice and Tamales Bay. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. That's her <laughs> new name. Do you take this bay? <laughs> yeah, I'm in. Cool. All right, folks. Well, why don't you let us know what you think? Um, uh, you know, what is your bedroom are, green? How are you keeping it green? Are you going green? If, Keep it green. If you were to marry something in nature or have sex with it, what would it be? We want to know. Have you fucked a plant? Because that's what we actually want to know about. Bark burn. I feel like this whole episode was us trying to find out something that we never learned the answer to. And now we have to turn to the masses. Have you had bark burn? And do you have tools to make sure that you don't experience bark burn when you fuck in a tree?
Cool. All right. So you could tweet that at us if you want. Keep, you know, keep it public. Um, at June Bugger. Yeah, no DMs. Public. Um, at Allie Gold. A-L-L-I-G-O-L-D. You could send us a lovely letter if you want to email us at 2G1podcast at gmail.com. Or you could actually call us and leave us a message. That phone number you can call is... 347-871-6548. That number again. 347-871-6LIT. You know, you just said you could leave us... You could send us a letter. And now I'm like, whoa... We should make that an option. We're going to get a P.O. box. Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned. Um, suspense is building for that P.O. box. <laughs> When's it going to come? You uh, can also <laughs> chat with us in our Discord chat room. The sneaky thing there is you cannot Google and find it. It's a secret chat room. You can only get there with this link. Discord.gg slash 2G1P. Also, please consider contributing to our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash 2G1P. There's a theme here. 2G. One P. One P. I really want to come up with a clever thing where it's two. Mm. I'm done here. <laughs> <laughs> Allie's going to get the fuck out of here. I got to go. I'm going to follow her. <laughs> and we'll see you next time. We've never seen them. We'll, we'll talk to you next time. We'll talk at you. <laughs> talk at you Man, next time. And we're really happy very that one you choose to listen. This is really, we just give, give, give. I know. <laughs> We're just such givers. Just give her. All right, guys. And they just take, 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 and no one sends me a Trader Joe's gift card. I'm going to get Allie out of this podcast. Do you know what? Actually, remember we had a fan who sent us maple syrup? Someone sent us organic lube. We should use that as lube. JK. (laughs) What could go wrong? Syrup as lube is really fun. That's how to get someone someone to stick around. Oh, you yell at me for dad jokes. Because you're a dad. It's just that's not how it works. All right, guys. <laughs> we'll talk to you. We'll talk at you next time. Bye. Bye. Two Girls, One Podcast is hosted by Jennifer Tamula and Allison Goldberg and robbed vigorously in the dirt. Uh, I mean, edited by Matt Silverman in New York City. Additional editing for this episode by Logan Yuri. Production assistance is provided by thepodglomerate.com. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. You can support 2G1P by sending 20 box tops from your favorite cereal to P.O. Box 1472, Clifton, New Jersey, 07011. Or visit patreon.com 2G1P and throw us a dollar every month to help offset our production costs. You know, whichever of those two is easier. Great news! You can listen to new episodes of Two Girls, One Podcast one week early. What is this sorcery? Just download the free TuneIn app and fire up Two Two Girls, Girls, One Podcast to get fresh episodes one week before your loser friends. (laughs) Your friends are so lame for being one week behind. I know, right? Wait. What's the catch? There's no catch. Tune in lets you listen to awesome podcasts. Like ours. One week before anywhere else. Absolutely free. Whoa, dude. The next episode of the show is probably already there. Yo, this is some freaky time traveling shit. I'm going to listen to next week's show so I can find out what we're going to say. Technology is weird. The Podglomerate. A sonic universe. Oh, you looked at bones, and I'm super into bones. Super into you bones. are too. Yeah. Right, 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 right.